This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. seen very many Jim Jarmusch movies. I think this is the only Jim Jarmusch movie I've ever seen. He hasn't done um, a ton of movies. I mean, he's not like some of the filmmakers that we've covered, but apart from Only Lovers Left Alive and Broken Flowers, yeah, I hadn't seen any of them. I I wanted to say I'd seen The Dead Don't Die, but then On a rewatch, I realized that I really had not seen this movie before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I don't mind that. I I, you know I was reading a lot about about this movie and this director, and there's a lot in it that you'll get if you're a fan of this director, and a lot that you'll be confused by if you don't get this director. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was picking up too, reading a little bit about. You know, Bill Murray talking about being cast in this movie, he said that it was just this hilarious script, very, very Jim Jarmusch. Like, and so I was like, okay, so he's got like, he's got a flair. He's got, he's, he must have a style. (laughs) And I do think that from Only Lovers Left Alive, which I remember a little bit better than Broken Flowers, the kind of like deadpan, like, sense of humor I I think is like a a quality that I would say is maybe part of his style that's kind of what I gathered watching this like this must just be what his movies are like I remember catching like clips of broken flowers and like the sense I got from the trailer is that it's very much like this very deadpan and kind of slow and quiet this is a cool one. This is his zombie movie, right? He's mm-hmm. had a vampire movie, Only Lovers mm-hmm. Left Alive, and this is his take on zombies, which I think is a really cool way for me to get introduced to this director. I actually enjoyed this movie more than I more than I thought I would after watching it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> which is a really weird way to say that. <laughs> I really enjoy this movie, too, just because of how weird it is. Yeah, there's a lot to think about, a lot to chew on. It, I feel like it's it's presenting a lot of classic zombie movie tropes, but it's also got this kind of funky meta take on it. The sense of humor is really offbeat. I, yeah, I, I don't think I've, like, I can't think of another, like, zombie movie that's like this one. Right. Aside from Night of the Living Dead, which it does throw a lot of little nuggets in uh, for the for the fans of that franchise, it's it's really unique. It's a really unique movie. Why don't we get a quick summary and we can start diving in? Yes. So this movie takes place in Centerville, Pennsylvania, a very generic small town where two police officers, Cliff and Ronnie are going about their business when some bizarre things start happening, likely due to what we hear in the background is polar fracking, <laughs> having some kind of influence on on the earth and the moon. And as they're doing their their rounds through the day, more and more bizarre things start happening. People within the town are getting attacked, uh, maybe by a wild animal. Ronnie's very convinced right away that it's zombies, the undead, or ghouls. (laughs) And we have um, a pretty large cast of characters in this town all trying to survive these bizarre events that do eventually end up being the undead coming to life and attacking the town from a juvenile detention center to a diner to a motel all the way to a gas station slash comic slash toy store employee. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of vignettes. Yeah. Vignettes, vignettes, I don't know, both tomato, tomato. All of the above. Yeah. A lot of different threads going on in this movie. And uh, 
I'm glad you brought up the town of Centerville. I, I had to look it up to see if it was real. Centerville is actually very real. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's so real that it exists in like 20 different states. <laughs> okay. And in Pennsylvania alone, I think there's like four or five different Centervilles. So funny. I assumed that they were just trying to create a generic small town uh, for a couple of different reasons. One was that it just seemed funny, right? That mm -hmm. everything about this town is so classic small town. Like there's yeah. one diner, there's one gas station and like every, everything is named like it's from the fifties. <laughs> it's like the moonlight yeah. motel and like everything is very, very like classic in that regard. And then later when they're doing a news report on the attacks, there's a really quick scene where they flash up a map of the neighboring towns and they're named things like Sleepyville and Bordertown yeah. <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good name for the town, especially since there's so many. Uh, and then everything is also on Main Street. Mm -hmm. yeah. All the addresses. I, I, I looked up some of the addresses too and those are those are fake, but Main Street in Centerville is about as generic little town America as you can get, I think. <laughs> when I was in high school, I lived in a, a very small mountain town, not 700 people small, <laughs> but a couple thousand people small. And we had one main highway that went through the center of town and there was one gas station in our town. <laughs> we had really like one grocery store, but there was a diner and there was a laundromat and, you know, a Mexican place opened up, which was great. Like we loved the Mexican place. <laughs> and so I like kind of love small towns when it's like, oh yeah, there's one drag. And if the diner's closed, you don't go out to eat. <laughs> so funny. Such a different way of life. And me. I was a suburban girl, so I had a lot of generic options near me. <laughs> I love that this took place in Pennsylvania because it's like a little like nugget of an homage to Night of the Living Dead, which I think that we should get into more later. But almost all of the shooting of the Night of the Living Dead movies was around Pennsylvania. Yeah, I will save some of these little facts. But yeah, there's there's a lot of significance to the locations in this movie that, that are discussed and that that come up um, in regards to Night of the Living Dead. It's it's really funny. Jim Jarmusch actually doesn't even like zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he did throw in some nice little little callbacks for for fans of zombie movies. This is another really great ensemble cast. And apparently this director works with them regularly. He's worked with a bunch of these actors in several movies of his. I like think it's so interesting when you have an ensemble cast. It just feels like to me, I don't know enough about Hollywood to understand like how you can convince this many like super famous people to line up their schedules for you. Like you must be like at least yeah, a somewhat competent director to be able to convince Bill Murray and Tilda Swinton to <laughs> to be able to film at the same time. Right. You know, and everybody's got their own little thread. I wonder if the multiple threads helps keep screen time down and therefore helps you build a bigger ensemble cast. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could I could see that that maybe like the cost of them like comes down a little bit. Because there are some people in this movie who really aren't in the movie that much. Like Tilda Swinton's screen time is maybe five minutes altogether. All yeah, it's not as long as you'd think. Rosie Perez is in this. I was really excited to see Rosie Perez in this movie. I wasn't expecting it. I really liked that Rosie Perez was in this movie. I loved what they did with some of the, they didn't do it with all of the characters, but with some of the characters, they had like the really interesting naming where her character is a local news reporter, Posey Juarez. <laughs> yes. It's so cute. <laughs> I, I did a double take when they said it. I was like, wait, does she just have her normal name? <laughs> they kind of did that with 
Zelda Winston as well. That's the name of Tilda Swinton's yeah. character. It's <laughs> yeah. just a little throwaway joke in there. Some other funny names. All the cops, I don't know if you noticed, but they're all named Morrison, Peterson, Robertson. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's like all their last names, yeah. And Peterson, this is Adam Driver's character, Little little fun fact. It's a reference to the movie Patterson. Adam Driver actually stars in that film by Jim Jarmusch as okay. well. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. He, he kept Peterson as his last name for this character in this film. That's great. I liked the two opposing diner characters, Danny Glover as Hank and then Steve Buscemi, who's our MAGA farmer, <laughs> as Frank. <laughs> so we've got yeah. Hank and Frank. <laughs> two opposites. <laughs> yep. And we've got the city hipster kids who come into town, led by yes, Selena. That made me laugh. <laughs> from the big town of Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Their names were uh, Zach Jack and Zoe. So there's lots of funny like naming stuff going on in this one. Right. Selena Gomez is very cute in this. I really liked her. She is. I thought that she was kind of a surprise cast. Mm -hmm. I thought Chloe Savigny was a really interesting actress to put in this as well. She cracked me up the whole movie. Like she is, she's playing this straight, I felt. Like she's the uh, almost the audience stand in, right? Like she's afraid of the zombies, as we all should be. <laughs> they were <Yes>. freaky. <laughs> Everyone is taking it so calmly. And when they see like these massacred bodies early on in the movie, and the guys are just like, okay, well, this isn't great. And then, you know, <laughs> Officer Mindy, like, sees it comes out and goes I didn't need to see that and then goes and pukes vomits. <laughs> I'm like yeah that's what I would do if I saw my friends with their guts hanging out yeah I, they, there's this really funny meta joke about Adam Driver and Bill Murray seeing the script already but like clearly <laughs> Chloe Savini's character has not or Chloe Savini herself it's hard to say didn't see the script right uh, or is not aware that this is a movie and so she's actually scared. Yes. <laughs> it's very interesting. Yeah. I thought that her real reactions were really great to break it up a little bit because, you know, Adam Driver and Bill Murray are just keeping it so flat <laughs> the whole time. Right. Yeah. It really amplified her reactions. It made her seem like not with it. The first time I was watching it, I was like, this girl needs to get it together. Look, everyone else is fine and dealing with this. <laughs> and on my rewatch, I was like, oh, no, I'm with Chloe. This this is horrible. Yeah. Nobody no. really knows how to stop it either. Everyone's just like, well, it's the undead. <laughs> and I'm like, we should be making a bigger <laughs> deal of this. Yeah. <laughs> we also get a nice cameo by Iggy Pop. He plays mm -hmm. one of the coffee shop zombies. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, some some really good zombie cameos. Sturgill Simpson, who they make a very big deal about in this movie, yes. um, has a cameo as one of the zombies, too. Yes, his song is played over and over throughout the movie, and it gets called out that, oh, yeah, this is the theme song. <laughs> we get another meta joke out of it as well. And it's actually a really good song. <laughs> I like it. Yes, the song was written for the movie. Yeah. It's great. And he gets a little cameo role as the guitar zombie. I was like, this is so, so funny. Like, there's just so many moments in this movie that I feel like it's hard to say more than like, oh, yeah, that's just like a funny little inclusion. Like, it's so, it's so on the nose with so many things and very surprising. I thought that the meta comedy was very surprising. Yeah. The RZA playing the WUPS driver. <laughs> I thought was very funny. Um, his name's Riza. Okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you how much I know about Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> I loved Riza as the WUPS driver. <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up. And I, I really thought he was going to live. <laughs> I thought he was going to live. 
I felt like that for so many characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was watching this and, you know, the motel manager gets turned into a zombie and we see him munching on a body part <laughs> and they don't show you the hipster kids. And so I was like, this is a not quite dead trope. Like if they died, it happened off screen. We're going to see them pulling up later yeah. in your George Romero car. <laughs> right. And then like the next scene, it's like, oh, no, they were all eaten. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> it was so sad. I was like, what was the point of them? What was the point of their characters coming into town and meeting Bobby and calling him Frodo? And, you know, they they just died. No- nothing became of them. It was it was so I was not expecting it. It's funny, too, because at the beginning of the movie and then for the rest of the movie, Officer Ronnie is like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> he tells us <laughs> over and over, this is going to end badly. This isn't going to end well. And then, you know, people would die and I would just be like, oh, I guess it's not ending well because everyone's <laughs> dying. Yeah. All these big names. It's another big name massacre. I was trying to think about what he was saying as I was watching it for the third time this morning before we recorded. If somebody was saying that to me and I'm just going about my business, I guess some you know let's let's think january 6th or when covid broke out something something kind of traumatic for for our country or the world or whatever if somebody was going around saying this isn't going to end well this isn't going to end well i don't know I, what would i think i it just seems very like one of those doomsayers right you sound kind of nuts i think I know. I was thinking about how he seems so pessimistic that it's like hard for the other officers to go along with him or agree with him. Right. And watching it, I felt like, oh, I is this an a- analogy for climate change? I mean, this came out in 2019. Like, is that like the direction that they're going with? Like, oh, this isn't going to end well. I mean, because I mean, they've got the whole polar fracking (laughs) plot. Yeah. And the people on the radio, the politicians who are saying, uh, you know, fracking has nothing to do with the environment. Like there's nothing wrong going on here. I was really starting to read into it as like a climate change kind of allegory. Uh, And he's the guy. Don't look up. Yeah. and, And he's the guy who's saying like, no, we're past this. Like it's it's just not going to end well. And Mindy's like, I want someone to tell me that this is going to be okay. <laughs> and Bill Murray's trying to comfort her, and then Adam Driver's like, Well, it's I don't think so. He's like, but I don't. Not. I don't. I don't think it's going to end well. I thought that was great. I so loved funny. Adam Driver just being direct about everything. Yep. <laughs> no matter the outcome of it. Uh, yeah, Adam Driver's character has a very strong moral compass about everything, right? Like he's like, this guy did something illegal. He fired <laughs> a gun at police officers. Yeah. Should we maybe bring him in? Bill Murray's character is like a little more practical where he's like, oh, this guy's been a vagrant for like 40 years. So and like hasn't actually hurt anybody. So I'm not going to bring him in. They do a nice job establishing that small town feel in the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, showing that juxtaposition between the two characters. Bill Murray is like, yeah, this is just sort of how things are. And Adam Driver, like you said, like he's like, no, we should do this. <laughs> this is how this works uh, when somebody fires a gun at, a, at an officer. It really made me want to live in a small town with like cool small town people. <laughs> Where we all know each other. (laughs) I think that the small town element of everybody knowing everyone and also being kind of up in everyone's business, horrible. I know. I know. I (laughs) I would love to just be a fly on the wall for these things because I love small town drama, but I don't want to be embroiled in it in any way. I know. The grass is always greener. But I, I liked how you saw everybody 
hanging out at the coffee shop. Like everyone knows everyone's name there. Everybody kind of looks out for each other. Hank goes to the coffee shop as part of his ritual, right? And he knows the the waitresses by name. He knows their routines. Bobby goes to hole up with with Hank in his hardware shop. The cops choose not to tell the racist farmer about <laughs> about the zombie apocalypse. They're like, whatever, he's a dick. It's fine. <laughs> Just on and on. The town knows each other. They they kind of you'd think they would get together and help each other out a bit better, but it did make me romanticize small town America a bit. It is surprising that you don't see more people coming together. Like you think that their threads are going to like really intersect at the end, but it it doesn't. It's really like the two officers, once they decide that they're going to go around in the cop car and check in on the different locations, they're running into all of the townspeople as zombies. Right. It's too late. And the ones that they think they might be able to save it's too dangerous so they don't it's so sad i was really sad when bobby and hank were holed up in the hardware store and i we was find too. them dead later i yeah. know i that was really the point where i was like it really is gonna end badly yeah I, <laughs> I liked those two characters so much i mean danny glover is so so, so endearing He's just so good. And like the fact that Bobby comes and Bobby's like, these are the undead. This is how we kill them. And he just like is there to teach Hank. Like this is how we're going to kill yeah. these zombies. It's such a nice like little character relationship. And I felt like that was nice. Like, oh, yeah, these two guys who are like easily 50 years apart in age yeah. are just going to hole up together and try and live as long as possible. I wanted to see more of them together. I was a little bummed at how quickly they died because I thought they had good chemistry. And how tragic when Bill Murray and Adam Driver are at the cemetery and they're just going to go out in this blaze of gl- glory, killing as many zombies as possible. And Bill Murray sees Hank and he goes, I can't. And he just lets that zombie live and he just moves on to the next zombie. <laughs> And Hank kind of just waves and and doesn't eat him, <laughs> which I thought was a nice little touch. I I do want to talk a little bit about these zombies because oh, yeah. I felt like they were not totally. I mean, they're obviously not totally lucid, right? But they have some degree of sentience, more so than in some other zombie movies. Yeah. They get really one note once they become zombies. They're attracted to the one thing that kind of defined who they were as people, I would say. It's all along a consumerist theme. So they're walking around gravitating towards these things that they did during life. And they're just repeating like a word or phrase over and over and over. And it's, I mean... There's definitely a message there (laughs) about how we're all zombies already. (laughs) It does feel very classic Romero, right? To be like, these are just consumerist, mindless, you know, zombies just consuming without thought or regard. I thought that the element that these zombies could maybe be talked to a little bit or like that they would be able to process like at least something was really interesting. I'm right. thinking of Tilda Swinton talking to the fashion zombie. Yes. <laughs> her talking to the zombie makes the zombie stop and look at herself and like pose for her. Strike a pose. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, so there's some comprehension going on here. It's not yeah. it's not like they're just totally mindless, like you might see in The Walking Dead or yeah. something. And Chloe Savini's grandma recognizes her. Mm-hmm. She recognizes her her granny, and her granny recognizes her. So she goes to her at the end. Terrible ending for her. Yeah, it, I thought that was interesting as well. I didn't get the sense that you could stop them necessarily by talking to them, but you could sort of interrupt them enough to get the upper hand, it seemed like. Yes. 
they're still cannibals. They're still very interested in eating other people. (laughs) (laughs) And you still have to take off their head. I thought it was really cool the way the zombies turn into dust when you kill them. Yes. I loved the black dust that comes out of them. Very cool take. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. It made sense to me um, because zombies, well, especially the zombies in this movie where they come out of the grave. So, you know, they've been dead a long time. They really shouldn't have bloat. Like they really shouldn't have moisture in them anymore, depending on how old they are. So I thought that was a cool way to handle it. And it looks cool on screen. The effects were really cool. And every time someone gets shot or their head chopped off, you know, there's this like excellent dust <laughs> dust effect that happens yeah. behind them. Particularly cool with Tilda Swinton's um, like Celtic samurai character <laughs> and her, her yes. giant katana. I was like, everyone needs a katana. Like if there is a zombie apocalypse... <laughs> I'm going to go to the mall and I'm going to go to one of those mall ninja stores and I'm going to buy a katana (laughs) and that's what I'm going to (laughs) use. Make sure you stop by the knife store so you can get it freshly sharpened (laughs) and then take it out with you. (laughs) Oh man, she was such a weird character. I mean, she's literally an alien in this movie. Like they just throw in that Tilda Swinton's an alien. (laughs) I was with this movie every step of the way. And then when the UFO drops down from the sky and picks her up and zooms off, I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is something that Jim Jarmusch thought was really funny and put into the movie. And everyone said yes for some reason. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I I mean – I looked up an article talking to Jim Jarmusch about just about this movie because I knew that if I didn't do some digging ahead of us recording, I would not know what to say at all about this movie. <laughs> I uh, What I picked up on is that Tilda Swinton, I mean, you're right. Like, she's amazing with a sword in this movie. She can, she can take these zombies. No problem. And she's an alien. And she could use her power or use her strength to save Earth, right? But she doesn't. She goes away. She's like, all right, done here, leaving. There's nobody here to save them, basically, right? Like, I would say she's close to this town's only hope since she's so on it. That That is true. She's very, very effective. She's such a spooky character from the beginning. I like that they just refer to her as this, like, foreign weirdo who has, like, yeah. just decided to buy the local funeral home. And I, I'm like, <laughs> okay, so this alien just decided to, like, hole up on Earth and just live out their life painting dead right. bodies with insane makeup. <laughs> horrible (laughs) horrible makeup (laughs) and yeah I I do think that you're totally right though that as she is making her way from the funeral home to the police station she's only killing the zombies that like cross her path like that might pose a problem and is not spending any time but she kills each zombie in like half a second like she could have like like just cleared all of the zombies from that street no problem (laughs) and she doesn't she she then has this really ominous like oh maybe we should regroup in the cemetery and and i was like is she responsible for like creating these zombies like what is this why is she making them go to the cemetery yeah before she leaves the station you see her typing gobbledygook into the police computer Right. So obviously that's why she actually wanted to stay behind so that she could summon her alien friends, I guess, from outer space to come pick (laughs) her up because Earth is not cool anymore, man. And uh, yeah, she's like, I'm going to kill what gets in between me from point A to point B and then I'm going to jet. So good luck, Earth. (laughs) You're on your own. The costuming and the hair and makeup of her character are really, really, really reminiscent of uh, another Jim Jarmusch movie, 
Only Lovers Left Alive, where she plays a like thousand plus year old vampire. Mm-hmm. And I had was reading a little bit online that an interpretation of her role is that a lot of people have like funny conjecture about Tilda Swinton, you know, because she kind of has this like alien type look to her. She, yeah, she does have kind of an ambiguous background, a very, very old like Celtic lineage. And like she does end up playing a lot of characters that have this like Orientalism bent to it. And so it was like this amalgamation of just like, oh, this is people's interpretation of Tilda Swinton. So she's kind of playing herself <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> she is. She's such a bizarre person. She does so many interesting and differing roles. This one is a great, you're right. It's a really great like summation of all the weird shit she's done. Yeah. Like if you're just like, oh, let's like cherry pick what people like seem to remember about her and like blend it all up. It's like this character, <laughs> Zelda Winston. Yeah. <laughs> The the samurai stuff is just Jim Jarmusch's appreciation of samurai movies <laughs> and samurai stuff. It's just kind of thrown in. Yes. Let's talk about some of the film references. I'm still going to hold on our George Romero references, but, okay. but there are so many references to just movies. Like, I feel like Jim Jarmusch is a huge cinephile. Like, you have to be to be a director, but like... This kind of felt like an homage to maybe some of his favorites. Yeah, it almost felt like a movie where he like something just clicked in his head and he'd throw it into a scene and then he'd think of something else and just like throw it into another scene. (laughs) See what sticks. How good was Bobby's Nosferatu t-shirt? I love that. (laughs) I thought that was so cool. I wanted one. (laughs) I know. I liked how Adam Driver had a Star Wars keychain. I thought that was a nice little nod. Yes. Very, very cheeky. To his Kylo Ren. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why the people in town kept calling Bobby, like, they called him Bilbo and Frodo and yeah. Bobby Baggins. Like, they kept on, like, doing these Lord of the Rings references to Bobby. And I was like, he doesn't really look like <laughs> like yeah, I don't no. get it. I didn't get it either. I just assumed it was because he was a dork, but are those the names I would go to if I was calling someone a dork? I don't know. I it was it was sort of funny. I was trying to think if there's a journey he's on in this movie. There's just not enough time for him to have a journey, <laughs> right? And he dies so fast. <laughs> They call him Harry Potter at one point, too. And I was like, yeah, OK, this is maybe just a lot of nerd, nerd cred stuff. Yeah. Like, he runs a toy He's store. He's just a giant nerd. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's other movies out there that are referenced in this movie, but I probably haven't seen them all. And there's probably things that we're not bringing up that others who have seen this movie who have seen some of the references are screaming at us about (laughs) oh yes there are so many i will throw this link on the blog so that you can read about these if you haven't seen them either but there is a really great compilation many compilations actually of movies that are helpful to have watched prior to watching this Another Jim Jarmusch movie, Coffee and Cigarettes, has a lot of the same cast members as this one. It's got Bill Murray, RZA, Tom Waits, Iggy Pop, Steve Buscemi. Like, it's uh, also got the White Stripes in it, uh, Jack and Meg White, Kate Blanchett. So it's another, like, probably great example of how Jim Jarmusch does ensemble films. I just haven't seen it. <laughs> I really want to go and now that I've seen this one, watch a few of his other movies because I I feel like I would like them. And it would help me understand this movie a bit better, I think. I think so, too. I I thought that um, one call out of a good movie that's a really good reference for this one that made total sense reading it after the fact was Fargo. Have you seen Fargo? Oh, yes. Many times. Yeah. Oh, wait. The show or the, the movie? movie? The movie. Yeah. I've seen the movie. Yeah. I think the Love it. 
the two kind of like small town police officers that we've got here feels so totally similar to Fargo with these just two kind of matter of fact folksy <laughs> officers and detectives in Fargo I'm trying to solve like what ends up being like a pretty like grisly conspiracy <laughs> here here it just happens yeah. to be zombies yeah you're right and I think with the tone of this movie or the the subject matter that kind of went over my head but I totally see it they're totally reminiscent of those cops did we want to talk Night of the Living Dead references because there's quite a few yes let's do it we mentioned Pennsylvania already but I know that there's a lot more right so speaking about uh, the Pennsylvania reference when the hipsters are checking in at the the Moonlight Hotel or Moonlight Motel the manager says oh you know they're from the big city probably Pittsburgh right he specifically mentions Pittsburgh and that's actually where George Romero studied and that's where Night of the Living Dead premiered. So I think that line was just tossed in there to to reference that specifically, which was pretty cool. That's cool. The car they're driving, the Pontiac Le Mans, it's actually featured in Night of the Living Dead. And 1968 is the year when the movie came out. And that's the year of the, the car that they're driving. Very clever. A very small reference is our convenience store uh, owner Bobby he's got a little pin on his uh, vest that says Night of the Living Dead on it I think there's also like a toy that one of the hipster kids picks up too where he's like got it like you have zombies around here a lot (laughs) yeah right they're just like and oh side note I'm so happy that this movie actually uses the word zombie it was kind of refreshing. Oh, yeah. They're very, very, very clear <laughs> about zombies, what they are, what they yeah. do, and how to kill them. They're like, they just know. They're part of this world. They're not messing around. Yeah. I think Bobby's character helps with that. I mean, he's this um, cinephile horror geek, right? And he runs this store that references these things already. So, that sort of tells you, it tells the audience, okay, this movie is aware of what it is. It's it's a zombie movie. It's not um, just a scary movie where people are trying to figure out what zombies are. So I really like that. I thought that the music in some parts were very reminiscent of Night of the Living Dead and and similar horror movies around that time. There's a lot of like wow, wow sounds, right? As they're driving. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's like classic horror. (laughs) Right, right. And then we get a nice day for night shooting scene at the end in the cemetery. It's it's very obvious that it's shot during the day and just darkened to look like it's night. And that's that was a very, very common uh, movie effect from from the time period as well as Night of the Living Dead. Was there anything about the type of zombie that's in this movie that's, like, different from other zombie things that we've seen or other, like, representations of zombies? Well, I think most zombies we see, or if not all, are really defined by Romero's type of zombie, right? It's it's like a mindless, soulless creature that only wants to consume and doesn't really have a goal other than that. You can't control them. They they go where they please um, until their heads are chopped off. What I thought was interesting about our types of zombies, right, like these pop culture types of zombies, is that they're very different from an, the original term zombie as it relates to Haitian voodoo. Voodoo zombies are meant to be controlled. They're mindless, right? They're mindless and they don't have their own agency anymore, but they are controlled by the caster, right? So his zombie, Hollywood zombie, is a totally different take on the original concept of what a zombie was. And I I really like how this movie references Romero so much because what he did was very very big for horror and for the concept of of zombies 
overall. So it didn't really come up in the movie, but I just I really enjoyed the appreciation this this film gives to to that origin. Definitely makes me want to go and watch these Romero classics. I feel like such a bad horror fan for not having seen them. (laughs) (laughs) I know of them. I've seen clips of them, but I've never actually gone to sit down and watch them. It feels like Jim Jarmusch like obviously loves them so much and there's so many great references and homages to it in this movie. And like we said, a lot of film references in general. I'm sure that there's a million in here that <laughs> that we missed. Did you think there was a message to this movie? I think that there was, given that the end of the movie showed our hapless cop heroes <laughs> trying uh, to fight off these these zombies and eventually being overcome by them as our hermit is like narrating over them and so this like thread of hermit bob it feels like a lot to unwind but i think that that really has something to do with the message that this movie is trying to get across yeah i one little detail that i caught earlier in the movie is hermit bob foraging he he lives in the forest he doesn't really take things from people he's accused of taking chickens right but he he hasn't done anything other than live alone in the woods but he's foraging and he he's collecting mushrooms mm-hmm. uh and i i thought that was a neat little detail because as we all know fungus feeds on the dead and he's eating the fungus and i, I thought that was an interesting tie-in to the zombie aspect of the film he stays in the forest and that's where all of the animals run in this movie the animals are trying to get away from civilization Mm -hmm. and get into the woods where he is and he's able to watch what's going on from a distance without really any fear i don't know if the audience noticed but he's just not afraid of the zombies in this movie i do think that the like living outside of society only benefits hermit bob in his foraging for mushrooms he's also kind of going through like trash or debris that like people have left behind so he's like he doesn't have to consume new things he's able to just live off of what he finds in the forest and it makes him like yeah like immune to what's going on he's just able to be an observer of it right right People who don't have things seem to be safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's very in tune with nature. Like he sees the moon and he's like, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) It's spinning. The moon is spinning. And it's glowing. glowing. It's glowing purple. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It seems like it's very clear to him. I think in contrast to the zombies who are like looking for Wi-Fi or bluetooth or things like their candy or whatever um <laughs> yeah he doesn't have the same kind of drive and so he's he's able to just uh just survive this i guess i don't know how long you survive something like this <laughs> as an outsider yeah but he's at least yeah. getting through this first wave yeah it's definitely similar to uh night of the living dead's commentary on uh, Cap, uh, I want to say capitalism or consumerism, right? Our our addiction to to stuff. It was nice to see that the kids get away. Yes, that was great. We haven't even talked about the the juvie. No, this town is so small, <laughs> <laughs> and they have a juvenile detention full of kids. Full of kids. There's a ton of kids. It's in like, there. are all of the kids in juvie? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're the only kid. No, there's the kids at the candy store. So there's them, and then they go to juvie, and then they graduate and become town members. I guess so. That's, that's the pipeline for yeah. Senegal. <laughs> but we have three juvie kids that we're kind of following who are watching this all happen, who seem really with it. They they get what's going on. And they, so... To an amazing yeah, degree. 
Geronimo. Yes. Which, like, what a name. I love Geronimo. Geronimo just, like, <laughs> summarizes what's happening from, like, what they've watched from five minutes of TV. <laughs> the kids, the kids so are smart. with it. Yeah. I felt like that was a nice commentary yeah. on, like, oh, kids are going to get this faster than other people will. They're going to yeah. see through the bullshit of, like, the politicians arguing about, like, no, no, this is not the undead. This is not because of polar fracking. Like, these are just random attacks that are happening around the globe. (laughs) (laughs) All at the same time, in the same way. (sighs) Yes. Yeah. I thought that was a nice little touch. There's our hope right there. The kids get away. (laughs) Yeah, I think that the movie is putting a lot of stock in, like, okay, the kids... The kids are going to be all right. Kids are our hope. And then other than that, the people who are willing to live a little bit outside of society or maybe a little more sustainably or uh, less consumerist. Yeah. Well, we covered a lot of funny stuff. But did we cover our favorite jokes? We did I want to hear your top three jokes from this movie. Okay. There were so many. I had such a long list of comedy moments. I laughed out loud multiple times in this movie. It's so funny. My <laughs> one of my favorites was um the gag that many characters say when they first see their first zombie attack is they ask, oh, "Was yes. this from a wild animal? Several <laughs> wild animals?" <laughs> yeah. I had that one on my list too. It's so good. I think it's like four different characters make the same. Yeah. <laughs> Make the same guess that it was wild animals. <laughs> it's it's the three cops, right? And Hank. And Oh, and Rosie Perez's character. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just randomly. <laughs> I loved that. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> My other <laughs> favorite, just because it was so silly, was they had referenced and made fun of Adam Driver's tiny smart car and (laughs) the scene when he pulls up to the diner he's driving so fast (laughs) he just like peels in in this tiny little smart car and he's a large man (laughs) he's so tall it's it's just so silly I like love the visual gag it is silly and it it looks like one of those little play school cards you know (laughs) like the the red with the yellow lids (laughs) yes it's a red convertible smart car it's the silliest car (laughs) it's so goofy my all-time favorite (laughs) was the motel manager is is dishing out cat food (laughs) for his cat (laughs) and then he licks the spoon (laughs) god I have that on mine too. That grossed me out so I it was much. So funny because as we were watching it, Mike was like, "That tells you a lot about a person." Yes. <laughs> I have had three cats at a time, and I can tell you, I have never ever felt the urge to taste their food. Oh my gosh, I that is disgusting. I hate canned animal foods so much that there are certain canned human foods. That remind me a little too much of canned animal food that I'm like, I like struggle to like make them or prepare them or eat them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. The thought of doing that makes me wretch. <laughs> I know. It's so gross. I had to look away. <laughs> oh, it was so funny, though. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I took two of yours, but I'm sure we have. That's all I'm right. I'm sure we have more. <laughs> Okay, well, I had a nice little throwaway line that I thought was hilarious, and it was Bill Murray trying to get coffee and donuts in the, the first, like, five, ten minutes of the movie. I love that he gets shut down by Adam Driver, and so then he, he like, then offers to Mindy, and I was like, oh, man, if that were my coworker who were, like, just trying to rope me into going to the diner, I'd be yes. so mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because you start watching this movie and you think it's it could be morning or during the day, but it's actually eight at night. <laughs> the the fracking has screwed up time and uh, daylight. So the him even wanting coffee and donuts is kind of funny because it's eight at night. But yeah, nobody will get it with him. And I was I thought that was hilarious. Tilda Swinton doing the makeup. I <laughs> wasn't 
ready for. <laughs> she <laughs> and after, I think you know after she cuts off their heads, she goes, "I had them looking so bonny," <laughs> which I thought was great. They have this like because they definitely did not look bonny. They look, uh, like clown makeup. It was like yellow and blue. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then the last gag I wrote down uh, in my top three. Keep America White Again, that mm-hmm. hat mm-hmm. that Steve Buscemi is wearing, I thought was very funny because it's basically, it, it distills down the actual message of what these people want. <laughs> and then he has that great line where he says his coffee's too black. <laughs> and he looks over at Danny Glover and he's like, you know, it's too strong. <laughs> I know Steve Buscemi just gets to play so like funny. a total asshole in this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he's so nice. But yeah, those were my favorite moments. I really appreciated that this movie had some good like horror in it too. Yes, it does. What were your top three? My top three, one of them was when the police are in the station and they've had this, there's this growing sense of dread because you know, you know that something is happening. You know that zombies are going to come for them at some point and they have just had this body in one of their cells because the coroner can't pick it up and the funeral home is full and so they just have to keep this body at the police station and it goes from like not like seeing her, she's like under a sheet to then her standing there and officer Mindy screams. Like I I thought that was like really good. <laughs> really good her scream like cuts through that scene yes it's great because it's a quiet scene like everything happens very quietly and slowly and then there's just this like visceral scream it's really good Mm -hmm. I really liked that I loved the zombie attack in the cemetery them just like like actually getting overtaken at the end they're doing really good fighting the zombies but yeah but there's there's just too many. They just yeah. can't keep up. There's only so much you can do. Yeah, pretty scary. And something that I found actually pretty horrifying and like was starting to get a little hard to watch for me, which is like un- unusual, was the very first zombie attack in the diner. Oh, yeah. When the Iggy Pop zombie has like started eating Fern's guts. And um, she's screaming and then he gets distracted by coffee because they're coffee zombies. And so they get up to go drink the coffee and she's just like scream moaning in the background because he didn't kill her all the way. Uh, And it goes on for a really long time with her just like scream moaning in the background while they're like doing their whole coffee bit. I, yeah, that was like actually like. I, I don't know if we've seen anything scarier than that, like, this whole season. <laughs> really? Oh, yes. This season. Yeah. This season. This, season, <laughs> I, I this horror you. comedy season <laughs> yeah. in particular. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think I was so distracted by the coffee bit that I, like, kind of missed how actually terrifying that is. The thought of still being alive after something like that, I think, is the worst part. Yeah, because we've seen him pull out her organs. It's horrible. It's like actually really, yeah, really horrible. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) My turn. Okay, I'm going to go with three scenes in the same vein. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of being trapped in this movie. And being trapped freaks me out. The Mm -hmm. thought of being trapped or kidnapped and there's no escape um, really freaks me out. So. Not in any, well, let's say we'll go in this order. Uh, the juvie kids being trapped freaked mm-hmm. me out. Mm-hmm. I thought they weren't going to make it because, no, again, nobody in this movie seemed to be getting out alive. So that freaked me out. They were very alone and there were a ton of zombies in that juvenile hall. It killed me that they were stuck in that room and then they're like, let's go hide in the closet. I was like, what? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, the first thing I always think of is where are they going to go pee? (laughs) I'm always like, what's their escape route? Yeah. Next, I would say Bobby and Hank being trapped in the hardware store freaked me out, mostly because it made me scared for losing the characters. I really loved both of these characters. (laughs) And again, it just didn't seem like there was any way out, especially when we eventually see the zombies bust in through the back door and you know it's over. And the last trapped scene that I felt was scary was when our three cops are trapped in the police car at the end. They uh, Yes. Yeah, they ran over a cluster of zombies and so now their car is stuck on all of the zombies like it would be stuck in mud or something. But they can't get out. They can't get out to pull it out or or push it or anything because the car is completely surrounded and covered in zombies. So that freaked me out because I was like, oh, this this is it. You're in a car and the car can't move. Like, where are you going to go? You're, you're either going to get out and fight zombies or you're going to starve to death in this it car takes so long it's uh, it is horrible i thought that the the effect of or the, dehydration but yeah the effect of the uh car lighting the alternating red and blue and the steaming of the windows with the zombies like pressing their faces against it visually really really cool yeah yeah mindy losing her shit in the back seat I know. <laughs> Poor Mindy. She cannot she cannot deal. And she just like jumps out of the car. I'm coming, Granny. <laughs> I thought it was funny when Adam Driver cuts her head off and and uh, Bill Murray gives him shit. Like like, hey, don't kill Mindy. And it's like, no, she's not Mindy anymore, man. Don't worry about it. That's where I feel like we have the difference between like Adam Driver's character and like Min- yeah. Mindy and Bill Murray's to like a degree is you know Adam Driver's like oh a zombie's a zombie he like doesn't stop to be like oh I know this person whereas like Mindy like even when they're like running over the zombies with the car she's like she's like did you have to run him over and Adam Driver's like they're the undead like it's not a person (laughs) it's fine (laughs) or he's like that was your granny Right. Or no, that was the waitresses. Now they're just zombies or now they're just dead. He's so like (laughs) matter of fact, like they were people and they're not people anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I kind of love it. Do you recommend this movie? Uh, This movie is so funny. It's so divisive. It's literally like 50%, right? On Rotten Tomatoes and with fans. Yes, it's 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like people just didn't know what to make of this one. Like, there's not really other zombie movies like it. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Zach and I didn't really care for it a whole lot the first time we watched it. But I was determined (laughs) to get more out of it. Uh, on my rewatch. And I liked it a lot better the second time I watched it. It's one of those movies where it you're you're going to have to watch it a couple times, I think, or be very familiar with uh, the director's other work. And then I think you'll appreciate it. I wouldn't just blindly recommend this movie to people. I think um, I would let let them know it's a little slow. Um, but if you're into like deadpan humor or this director or like the Cohen brothers, right? Like it feels kind of like along that, that vein, you might like it. So I would recommend it, but with a caveat. What about you? I think that you're totally spot on. I think it's a very particular type of movie. It's not a straight comedy. There's too much actual horror in it to recommend to someone who just wants to watch something funny. But I think it's maybe like not scary enough or like not serious enough for someone who just wants to watch a horror. Mm-hmm. So I think if you know that going into it and maybe you've seen other Jim Jarmusch movies, so you know what he is like in terms of his sensibilities and how he works with this cast of people that he's worked with multiple times before, you'll probably like it. But it's I can see why it's divisive and I would I would also heavily caveat it. I enjoyed it. 
I would recommend mm-hmm. it to the right audience, <laughs> but I don't think it's for everybody. Well, that wraps up our comedy season. We hope you guys laughed along with us and also screamed along with us. <laughs> I really enjoyed this season. It is not quite over yet. Uh, we have our finale episode with as per usual, lots of great segments, lots of fun things for you to listen to and enjoy as we wrap up this season. Coming out next Friday, you don't want to miss it. This was Not Quite Dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Not Quite Dead Podcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching.